Hey everybody, it's Cassie. And this is Chrissy. And welcome back to Did You Catch That with Cassie and Chrissy. So last week we started the episode discussing Brianna Taylor and unfortunately we are back with a new name, Jacob Blake, um, a 29-year-old black man from Kenosha, Wisconsin, was shot in the back seven times by an officer who has been identified as Rustin Shesky on August 23rd. As he was walking away from Shesky and the other officers present towards his car, he was grabbed and yanked by his tank top and then shot several times in the back. Blake's three sons were in the car when all of this happened. The cops were at his home because they got a call saying he had keys he was refusing to give back um this is i'm getting this from wall street journal blake's family's attorney said that he was just de-escalating a situation between other parties that were present when the cops tased him and then when he walked towards his car where he was shot it was only to check on his kids so two things that i gathered from this is shooting someone seven times in the back. To me, that reads as you are trying to kill that person. And resisting arrest or quote unquote not cooperating doesn't mean that someone deserves to die. Now, luckily, Jacob Blake did not lose his life, but he is currently paralyzed from the waist down and he is um, stable in intensive care. So this obviously resulted in huge protests in Kenosha. And let's not forget that the initial protest dating back to George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Arbery have not stopped. Those are still going on as well. And um, at one of the protests, there was actually a 17-year-old who showed up from Illinois and he had a rifle, shot three people, two of them died. And the third, I believe, um, was just injured. It's just, you know, it's really, it's exhausting. This is a deep-rooted systemic problem that murals in DC and and new street names in light of Black Lives Matter, it it won't fix. The only thing that can fix this is systemic change. It's really that simple. So like, you know, donating to HBCUs, that's great. Canceling or um, changing problematic TV shows, that's cool. Wearing kente cloth, at the U.S. Capitol and kneeling, that's questionable. But until the problem is attacked at the root, we're going to continue on in this toxic cycle. What do you think, Cass? Honestly, it's disheartening, to say the least. It makes me sick to my stomach. And cops, even if someone's guilty, even if they're going after a suspect, you're not supposed to kill them. Like, no matter what they did, nowhere in a handbook does it say, if you're going to arrest this man, you have to shoot him and kill him. Meanwhile, he didn't do anything on top of that. It's insane. And then the 17-year-old boy with the AR-15 into a crowd. Imagine if that was a black man. They would have shot him. They would have killed him. They would not have led him into the crowd with that AR-15. Right when I saw Wisconsin, I knew. I was like, something big's going to happen. It has to happen. I think sports is one thing that a large group of people agree on, all different types of people agree on. Sports brings a bunch of different crowds together. And when you stop sports, it's going to create some type of ruckus. This is probably one of the best things that NBA players could have done. It is the best thing they could have done. It's drawing attention and it's making all the sports fans realize 
This is a problem. Sports is a privilege. 80% of NBA players are black, okay? Do you think these players, after being in the bubble for weeks, their mental state, their mental health is probably not the best? And then on top of that, another black man is going to die because cops do not know how to act. Obviously, you can't expect them to go out and play and entertain people when the country doesn't appreciate them. It's unfair. It's another thing. 80% of the players are black. And I think why aren't more coaches black, more people in the front Mm -hmm. office? And I think the players have had enough. And the players are the game, you know? Like, obviously, everyone plays a part, but... All the sports fans who are mad, do they not realize what you only like it when it benefits you? Yeah, it's like they don't look at these players as actual human beings with actual feelings. And that is a part of the issue. How can you expect these guys to, these women too, because it's not just um, the men, like it's the women too. How can you expect them to go on the court and put on a show for you and give their all when they see these things on TV, on Twitter, X, Y, Z, and it's so draining. It's like, what else do I have to give right now? Like, how can I possibly give you my all when I have nothing else to give? Like, I'm telling you I'm hurting. I'm telling you I'm grieving. Like, I see this stuff all the time. It never gets easier to absorb. Like, I will never get used to watching a Black person lose their life at the hands of a cop. So if I'm sitting at home in the comfort of my bed, watching this either from my phone or from my TV and dealing with it the way that I know best, I can't imagine being in that bubble where it's only basketball and you're seeing all this stuff happen and you're going out of your way to make sure that the conversation keeps going. Then another name comes up and it's like, oh, game time. No. And mind you, they have families back home. And clearly the cops do not care. They kill innocent people just because they are black they're in the bubble and then your family's back home they're probably worried about their family too they probably want to be with their family i feel bad for the players a lot of sports fans are racist they were on twitter all mad that the players decided to boycott i swear it's very selfish it's so selfish and and (gasps) ignorant it's like i don't even know a word to use for these people they're like they don't deserve to get paid they don't deserve this what Here, I'm going to bring this up. 9-11. Before 9-11, there was no security on planes. You could literally just walk on. My parents tell Mm -hmm. me all the time, right? One of the most tragic events. And then they up the security at airports. They ban aerosol cans. Like, they do all these bans God forbid I bring a bottle of lotion in my carry-on. It's like a TSA loses their mind. Exactly. How many innocent black lives have been taken and they still have made no changes? How many mass shootings? This kid had an AR-15. A 17-year-old. What, are we going to bring up his record? They showed him. Like, everyone wants to do They showed him doing community service work. Like, I could not believe it. And then I saw a video of a, a, um, I don't know if he was a police officer, if he was in the military, but they gave him a bottle of water while he was holding his rifle. And it reminds me of Dylan Roof. And one of the most horrific parts of that story with Dylan Roof, the entire thing is horrible but one of the worst parts for me was that after he went on a murdering spree of black people inside of a church cops took him to burger king because he was hungry god forbid this white supremacist murderer stomach is growling god forbid let's get this man a meal he just murdered x amount of people but he's hungry so let's let's go stop at burger king and then you have jacob blake 
who's walking around to his car to check on his three kids, grabbed by his wife beater and shot in the back seven times. Something's not adding up. Seven. You never, ever have to shoot anyone seven times for no reason. No reason at all. He was trying to break up the fight. He was doing the cops work. That's what the cops mm-hmm. are supposed to go and, and do. And the cop that shot him, break up the fight the cop two that shot him isn't um, new to the force. I believe I saw he's been in the force for about seven years. He's well-trained. He knows what to do. This was intentional in my eyes. It was intentional. 1,000%. And it makes you wonder, what have they done in the past to other black men and women, other black people? Because... This, this can't be new. They are, and you know? we can see this from a body no. cam because I also read. I believe that um, I don't know if it's all of Wisconsin, but those officers don't wear body cams. We saw that from a phone camera. So what have we not seen? Exactly. Yep. You know this has been going on forever, and everyone's like, "Oh, why is this happening?" And it's like, "No, this has been going on forever." But now we have social media. Now we have cameras. Now it's the news gets spread so easily. I, I don't even have words for it. And these players don't want to play. I wouldn't yeah. want to play. Me either. Why would you ever want to play for people in a country that does not don't appreciate you? Like they provide us entertainment. I don't think this country needs entertainment right now. They need reform and change. They care about money more than its people. That's what mm-hmm. it comes down to. It's disgusting. The whole entire police system in America needs to change everything honestly tear it to shreds tear it to shreds and start over related to like these players going through a lot in the bubble um I wanted to talk about Paul George because throughout the playoffs he wasn't really performing well and there were a lot of jokes I participated as well I'm not um innocent in that but then he made a turnaround and started performing really well And I posted on my story, like, oh, maybe he saw everyone talking about him, like, sometimes bullying works as a joke. And then I didn't even realize that he was dealing with mental health problems while in the bubble. And when I saw those interviews, I'm like, oh, my God, like, I felt really bad. And I think everybody that was, like, clowning him kind of felt the same way. I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I think, you know, most people were like, that makes sense. When your head's not there it's going to reflect on the court. And um, it's just kind of, it just ties into these, they're going through so much. And then it's like, we're in a pandemic as well. Like this is, it's very stressful. Imagine trying to do your job, trying to stay safe from COVID and also try to win a championship. It's just a lot. You're trying to take care of your own mental health while putting on a show for hundreds of thousands of people, while uh, being a voice for social justice reform, making sure your family is good. It's a lot for one person to handle. Even though you're doing it with your team, it is a lot for one person to handle. And the average person probably wouldn't be able to handle that. So who are we to sit here and throw shots at Paul George? You have to put yourself in their shoes. Mm -hmm. If they canceled the season, I would not care. I totally get it. Like, honestly, I'm surprised they're continuing on with the season. I understand even some of the players probably want to continue. But at the same time, I would not blame them. It's not our decisions to make. We're not the ones who have to stay in a bubble with the same people every single day. 
or even just like alone time obviously they get alone time in their room but it's not the same like alone time in your own space or a hotel in disney right and you had your, your kids are and at home your spouses your girlfriends your boyfriends yes. whatever look at Kyrie irving everyone trolled that man a few months ago for saying he was gonna boycott mm-hmm. the season right and now look he was right Colin Kaepernick four years ago. It is 2020. It was August. Was it August 26, 2016? Yeah, it was August 26th. Yes. Four years and two days ago when Colin Kaepernick took his stand and his career was ruined. Power to the players because they need to stand up for themselves too. So I also want to mention that um, on the 26th, when Kaepernick first started protesting, um, in 2016 august 26th of this year was the first time in history there were boycotts or um postponed games across four leagues simultaneously it was nba wnba mlb and the mls and then a little under 24 hours ago the nhl decided to follow suit which i was not expecting because the nhl is typically very quiet um, they usually don't say much and I don't think anyone really, I mean, I, okay, I'll speak for myself. I don't look to the NHL for, um, a voice and that's not, I'm not trying to be like rude or, um, sarcastic or anything. I really just don't. They, I haven't seen anything from them that would make me say like, let me go see what the flyers are saying. It's just, it's never been that for me, but, um, a player named Tyler Sagan on the Dallas Stars spoke up about it. He said, honestly, I think we need to do more as a league. I don't know if it's because we come from, honestly, the hockey culture of kind of being quiet, kind of not speaking your mind all the time. I think guys have become more comfortable and confident to do so, to speak up. But as far as league-wide, I definitely think we need to do more. I agree, Tyler. You guys do need to do more. You have black players in the NHL. And even if you didn't, it doesn't matter. The NHL needs to do more. Anyone, any background, you should care because this is your country. You want this your is country your to world. be like this? this isn't, and that, let's also highlight this that is, as well. This isn't just happening in America. This is our world. This is reality. And it's a harsher reality for those who are um, subjected to the systemic racism, like myself as a black woman. Exactly. But this is reality. Exactly. People are selfish. They only care about things if it affects them. Mm-hmm. And another thing, which this, okay, former athletes, former professional athletes came out not in support of what the NBA players were doing. And just, I couldn't wrap my head around it because at one point in time, they were in the locker room. With their mm-hmm. black teammates. What they were like their brothers. That's what they call them, your mm-hmm. teammates, your brothers. And then they're gonna come out and make a statement. Let me tell you something. <laughs> not not in support of right. the Black Lives Matter movement, not in support of Jacob Blake, not in support for the fight for social justice. Why? Because they're white and it doesn't affect them. But they could go be buddy buddy with them in the locker room. Black athletes can go and help their team but then their teammates can't have their back off the fields and off the courts. I've met a lot of people, athletes and fans, um, white people, who will, they, they love LeBron, they love Kobe, they love Candace Parker, 
They love Charles Barkley. I mean, love these people, but are racist. That is a thing. The two things can coexist. So when I see these things from former athletes or current who don't support what's going on, but they have black teammates, it does not surprise me at all. I see it all the time, all the time. Speaking of loving a player, but being racist. So as you guys may or may not know, I am Greek. The Greek freak, Yanis Atentokounmpo, okay? He is a Greek black man. And I grew up in the Greek community. A lot of Greek Americans can be racist. A lot of them can make comments. A lot of them can throw the N-word around. Just, you know, make racist remarks. But then when it comes to Yanis, they love him, okay? Everyone's wearing their Yanis jersey. They love Yanis. Why do they love him? Because Yanis supports Greece. Yanis is a voice for Greece. Yanis loves Greece. And they're Greek. So they love that Yanis is putting Greece on the map, drawing attention for Greece. But in turn, they're going to be racist. But you only like him because of what he's doing. And he's a really good player. You cannot pick and choose when you want to support. I want to highlight a few things that caught my attention over the past few days from people in um, professional sports, just things that they've been saying or things that they've done in response to what happened to Jacob Blake. Anthony Rizzo from the Cubs said, it doesn't change. And it's just the fact of the matter. Politicians really don't give a about us. All they care about is their own agenda. I agree, Anthony. Then um, Donovan Mitchell said... F the games and playoffs. This is sick and is a real problem. We demand justice. It's crazy. I don't have any words, but WTF, man. This is why we don't feel safe. Same. I don't feel safe either. LeBron said, and y'all wonder why we say what we say about the police. Someone please tell me what the F is this. Exactly. Another black man being targeted. This is so wrong and so sad feel so sorry for him, his family, and our people. We want justice. Um, before I continue, I've never called the cops before, like ever. And I've been in some situations where like maybe I'm out in the city, like when I was still in New York and don't feel safe or like, I don't know, just in situations where, you know, you'd be like, oh, let's call the cops. I've never thought to myself, like, let me call the cops. In my head, subconsciously, I always felt like cops made things worse because you never know how the situation could end. I could be in danger and I call the cops and I end up in cuffs. That is up. It really is. And that's it's exactly why you'll find that a lot of people, specifically black couples, a lot of black couples who are in um, violent relationships won't call the cops on their partner no matter how violent their partner is, they won't call the cops because they're afraid that if they do, they could die or their partner could die. So they will sit there and endure abuse, verbal, emotional, physical, because they're afraid that if they call the cops, it could end up worse. Do you see how backwards that is? If the cops are supposed to protect us, why is there such a large group of people who feel like, Maybe I won't call the cops. I'll call my dad. I'll call my cousin. I'll call my friend and see if they can help me. I'm not going to call the cops because if they come, then someone's going to get arrested. Someone's going to get tased. I could get shot. And a lot of people think like, okay, if I was in a group, three girls, three guys, and the cops were called, 
someone would probably think like, oh my God, but what about the men in the group? No, no, no. It's not just them. It's me too. It doesn't matter how you speak. It doesn't matter how you look. It doesn't matter what skin tone you are, what your educational background is, how much money you make. If it can happen to Jacob Blake, it can happen to me. I could get shot tomorrow. God forbid. I could get shot tomorrow for doing absolutely nothing wrong. And that is scary. And that's a truth that I have to live with every day because this country refuses to, one, face the ugly truth and do everything possible to dismantle this system and rebuild it properly so that it works for everybody. Racism is taught because if my seven-year-old cousin he's half black, can learn about Black Lives Matter and talk about Black Lives Matter with his parents, then a seven-year-old white child can learn not to be racist, can learn that everyone's equal. Because racism is taught. Growing up, I can assure you, a four-year-old girl, a four-year-old boy, a four-year-old whatever, they're not naturally racist. They learn that from their parents. It is taught. All of this is passed down. Parents have to do a better job at, white parents, (laughs) have to do a better job at teaching their children. When these children grow up, they have to just teach themselves and educate themselves. And also, I just saw a tweet, 100 NBA employees based in New York are on strike today in solidarity with the NBA and WNBA players pushing for social justice. They will be spending the day calling elected officials. I love that. Also, can we talk about the W? Oh, yeah. They never disappoint me. Because the Washington Mystics. Yeah, the WFBA. They never disappoint me. I saw the Washington Mystics. Um, all the players and staff had on shirts with seven holes in them to symbolize how many times uh, Jacob Blake was shot. And I thought that was very powerful. The WNBA never disappoints me. It's remarkable. Never. Everyone's like, oh, my God, the like once the boycotts happened and like the bucks mind you i just need to say i've never been more proud to be a bucks fan they've made me so proud but also um everyone was like oh look at what the nba players are doing they always stand up and i'm just like guys don't forget about the WNBA. yeah always use their voices always whether it's um mainstream or not i mean look at maya moore off the court maya moore has just been a force. She um, took a step back from the WNBA back in 2019. And she's still not playing because she has dedicated her career to focusing on criminal justice reform. And um, I like that in the current months, I've seen more people pay attention to her work and see how effective she is in her work. Um, So that's what I mean when like, these these women are incredibly powerful and effective on and off the court. They they know how to to make change. They know they're so eloquent. They're so well spoken. They're so intelligent and well informed. And it's just they they blow me away every single time. I don't know how they do it every single time. But I, I think every league could take a note or a a few pages out of the WNBA book when it comes to class and um, powerful messaging. Yeah, 1,000%. And it's like Mm -hmm. all of them. 
just together. Also, one other thing. So, Jared. Oh Kushner. yeah, let's. You know, um, please hold me on that. Hold me on that because <laughs> I saw the video and I was like, I don't even want to listen to it. So tell me what he said. He says he's gonna reach out to. Don't answer LeBron the phone, LeBron. Don't answer the and phone. I. This is. I quote. What I'd love to see from the players in the NBA, again, they have the luxury of taking a night off from work. Most Americans don't. I'd like to see them start moving into concrete solutions that are productive. Okay? Well, funny you say that. LeBron James opened an elementary school and guaranteed college tuition. LeBron James launches a website for more than a vote to help end black voter suppression. LeBron James is helping launch a multi-million dollar effort to recruit poll workers ahead of the elections. And finally, LeBron James helped open a public school in his hometown. Now he's building transitional housing for at-risk students there. So, Jared Kushner, I think he is moving into concrete solutions that are productive. Uh, let me hold up. I, ain't no way, because I didn't vote for this. I don't even like saying president. I don't even I like saying president. Y'all did this. <laughs> If you're listening, everyone, make sure you please, register to vote. Please register to vote. Please register to vote. Like, register to vote. As this podcast is coming to an end, I would just like to say a message to all of the white people who might be listening to this. Me as well. I just think naturally we cannot relate to anything that the black community goes through in America. I never think twice about walking outside. When I see a cop, I don't have to get scared. That's called white privilege. And white privilege does not mean that you don't have struggles in life. I've had struggles in life. It just means that my skin color doesn't make it harder. So I think as a white person in this country, it's important to do your research, educate yourself, and help your neighbors, help your friends, we love to consume black culture. We love the music. We love the style. All of that. You cannot pick and choose when you want to support the black community. So please just educate yourself and do your research. The world will be a better place for it. That's all I wanted to say. Christina, take it away. Um, yeah, I agree. Also, I think, like we stated before, please register to vote. Please go out and vote. Um, keep your eyes open. I know that it's hard to consume everything all at once, but, you know, pay attention while also taking time to just disconnect. You don't have to always be glued to the news and seeing all those things because it can be traumatizing. I mean, I don't know if I mentioned this already, but I didn't actually watch that video of Jacob Blake. I just read the articles and got a synopsis of what happened because personally, um, seeing those videos a lot are very triggering for me. So there's no shame in turning your phone off and you don't always have to click retweet and, and be on go at everything. It's, it's a lot to handle. So if you need to just take a step back and kind of recharge, you know, we're all dealing with this the best way that we can, but, um, it is important that we keep this fight going. You know, we may not reach the resolution we want in our generation, but we have to keep doing the work so that the people that come after us have a solid foundation to work with, to keep fighting towards what we want, you know? Because as frustrating as it is, I'm not going to stop talking about it. I'm not going to stop fighting for what I want, what I know other people want as well. Yeah, keep going. 
it, it doesn't stop here. It's not going to stop here. Not on my end, and it shouldn't stop here on yours either. So thank you for tuning in to episode two. We will be back next Friday. Make sure you're subscribed and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DYCT Podcast. And we will talk to you next week. <laughs>